Hey, serious privacy enthusiasts, ready to ace your AI data privacy game? Oh, you bet, Kate. Dive into the world of TrustSark's Nemity Research, your go-to for staying on top of regulatory developments in AI and privacy. Seriously, Nimity Research maintains a massive privacy and regulatory database featuring expert guidance and analysis from legal and privacy pros. So save time on privacy research, cut your compliance timeline, and reduce costs with Nimity Research. Get your regulatory research and insight at your fingertips with a free trial. So get ahead in privacy compliance and start that free trial today. Go to trustark.com slash nimity dash free dash trial. This is Serious Privacy. Here are your hosts, Paul Breitbart and Kay Royal. Good morning. This is Tuesday. This is the first day of the IEPP Global Privacy Summit in Washington, D.C. Last night, we had the opening night with Trevor Noah. Yes, that was fantastic. Sorry, I'm interrupting the introduction. Keep going. Well, I was just going to say, my name is Paul Breitbart. And I'm Kay Royal, and welcome to Serious Privacy. So, okay, okay, unexpected question. It has to be a short one. What are the favorite shoes that you're wearing to the conference? The favorite shoes I'm actually not wearing to the conference right now. <laughs> because right now I'm just in my business shoes. Because I thought that still would be a better fit. But the, better, the, the, the favorite shoes are actually... Saved for the party tonight. Nice. The LGBTQ party. The LGBTQ ally party. Yep. So I do have some nice off-white shoes, linen. With um, rainbows on them, right? With rainbows on them. Exactly. Sweet. I thought those would be fitting for the the party. Sweet. Mine are the ones I wore last night with the gold pants, which perfectly match the IAPP privacy rock star shirt. I put it on with the gold pants, of course. And my favorite shoes were the boots that have awesome stitching on them in various colors and everything. I've had them for years. I love them. So, okay, let's go back and talk about Trevor Noah. Actually, we should probably say who we have at the table with us because, I mean, this is what we do. So to my immediate left is Maggie Gleckley, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Maggie Gleckley with Hewlett Packard Enterprises. She's one of my best friends. We'll leave it at that. Across from us, we have Kelly. I'm from Hong Kong. And she's with. Up with Deke, the law firm in Hong Kong. And it's amazing because she was telling us some stuff she learned about PIPL. P-I-P-L earlier. Triple. <laughs> no, he means P-I-P-L. And good mix of people we have here. So I have no idea how this is gonna work audio wise, but we'll see when we when we start editing. Kay, what did you what did you think of Trevor Noah? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. I didn't know what to expect from him. I hadn't read the book, but of course I'd seen him before on TV and everything. I thought it was a fantastic session. I quoted a few things he said. In particular, he gave two analogies. One of them of you don't know how many steps there are in the world until you're in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then the one after that. And then the one after that about discrimination and acts that you see. It's like an invisible car. You know, your friend got hit by an invisible car and you didn't see it. And I've told the story many times about that, about you don't recognize discrimination until it's directed at you. But the way he explained it was fantastic. I loved it. Absolutely. I really enjoyed the quote from his mother that you that you need to prepare for a future that you may never see yourself. Right. And always be ready for what's coming next. Now, were you at Trevor Noah? So 
Yeah, I'm so bummed out that I missed Trevor Noah. I thought that he was going to be here today <laughs> until I checked my itinerary and I was like, oh no, I missed it. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, that it, it, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. And I love those quotes that you just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. What about you? I think the conversation about his mother and the relationship with his mom and what she taught him over the years, especially, you know, how he grew up and his perception of the world. He sees the world with many different views, not one myopic view, which is which is fantastic. And the and the philanthropy work that he's doing, promoting part of it is technology, and his interest in AI and working with large companies to understand the impact. And he talked a lot about you know you see it one way. You look at the technology as what's forward facing, but you also have to look behind because you have to look at those unintended consequences. That was one of the other quotes I gave from him, yeah. So yeah, it was a great opening session. Trevor Hughes announcing that IPP is now over 80,000 80, members globally, which is Now, incredible. how long have you been a member of IEPP, Paul? I've been a member off and on because I was a member at Nimity and Trustark, and then I wasn't a member for a while, and I joined last summer again. Wow. So you started probably back in... Probably 20, back in 2016. 2016. Beautiful. I've been with IAPP since at least 2008. Wow. Yes, been a while. Been a while. Kelly, how long have you been part of IAPP? Well, the first, well, let me see. It was pre-COVID, maybe 2019, I would say, because okay. that's when, yeah, I mean, it's all mush right now. Like, I can't remember <laughs> like, right, we all lost what happened in the last three years. Yes, I think it was probably 2019. So now and, that we have you on the table, you were just, before we started recording, telling us some Interesting things about what's happening with Pipple. P-I-P-L. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Can well, you tell us also yeah, for our listeners? Yeah, well, so for insider news that the authorities have been knocking on the doors of private companies, you know, under the pretext of, you know, educating, you know, the, oh, no. the people about, you know, the P-I-P-L. But, you know, in actuality, that is sort of like an investigation. So right after, you know, they, they go into the company, they, you know, they educate them about the PIPO, then they'll say, you know, we'll be back in like six months time. And then we'll be back, you know, get your system in order. We'll be back in six months time. That's what I'm Wow. Yeah. We haven't heard that from anyone. That's crazy. Nope, this is breaking news, guys. Yeah. In, in theory, it seems like a good idea. How long have they been doing it? Well, it just started. It just started. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if, you know, anyone hasn't gotten, you know, like their system, you know, in compliance with the PIPL, like it's time to take a look at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> time to get serious about that. But no, I mean, they're not even sending a letter and going, woohoo, we're going to show up. They just knock on your door one morning yeah, and go, Yeah, that sounds like the French approach to me. <laughs> Beautiful. So. So what are your... So it seems that we are going to be interrupted now by the, uh, the opening session. session that's about to start. Let's go um, have fun. Let's go have fun. Okay, we are back in the conference hall. Okay, we just saw the opening general session. With Daniel Citron and Nina Schick. Oh, fantastic. I'm scared after this morning, to be you, honest. You know, I fell in, I hate to say I fell in love with the topic of non-consensual pornography, but it is one of my favorite topics, but it's because of Danielle Citroff. I saw her speak at Berkeley back in like 2012, maybe 2013, and fell in love with it then. The fact that this was a need, we needed to address it. And as Nina Schick was talking, I leaned over to Annalise Moen, 
and said, you know, what's really bad is when you take the generative AI and you mix it with the non-consensual porn, you no right. longer need to actually spy on someone to get a video of them yeah. naked. You just create one. And that's that's the scary stuff. I still can't get my head around that there are companies who actually make a business model about doing these kind 9, of things. 9,500 of them. She said when she started back, way back when in 2014, it was counting the companies, there were 50, 50 of them. And now there's almost 10,000. And these companies, these sites, that is their business model is showing videos or pictures of non-consensual pornography, whether it's children, adults, or whatever, but they know it's non-consensual. They know it's rapes. They know it's illegal, and they still do it. Yeah, and that's that's what scared me. Nina Schick, amazing talk about generative AI oh. from showing a video based on a model out of 2018 yeah. to what it is today. She predicted that by 2025, 90% of all images on the internet will be generated by AI. And also there, I just can't get my head around all those kind of no. numbers. And this really rapid development, there really is a massive responsibility for us as it a is. privacy community to keep this in check. It is. And I liked her closing point about authenticating or autographing your, your generated AI. And she showed a clip by a company that she works with. I forget the name, Pick and Rebel AI, and how they sign it to authenticate that this was their content that they created. And if that becomes the standard and AI companies are forced to autograph the AI content that is generated using their platform, imagine what kind of fraud that that's going to help eliminate, especially with companies like yours. Yeah, that is one of the points I immediately texted to my team. We need to find a way to make sure that images that are uploaded for auctions that they are actually real because right. there are so many images that people submit, of course, because they want to sell something for, for one of the auctions on, on the platform. We need to make sure that those images are not computer generated. Or, right. I mean, we already do checks whether they haven't been just pulled from the internet. Right. When you probably have the people putting them up for sale certify that they have this item in their possession. But still to... Yeah verify those images will be an extra step, especially if this prediction may not shit becomes true. Oh my God. Um, right. Then the fight that Daniel Citrin prescribes also in, in her book on the fight to privacy. The it book is, that I'm in the line to get right yeah. now, which you and I ran over here, and I think there's only like 10 people in line behind me. Yeah. Barely, um, barely and, in And time. about 700,000 before you. In front, yeah. There, what that line over there was going all the way back past black curtain. So even though we're not moving, there seems to be progression. And so, I have a coveted red ticket. Yes, you just don't have the book yet. Now, now, true, I probably could have got the book with all the people I know that know Danielle. And I've met her myself, but I'm not going to say I know her. I've actually reached out to her when, like I said, when I started on this topic, it was getting information from her and stuff. But, oh, this is so much more fun to stand in a million-mile line and, and get her signature. I did the same at IAPC a couple of years ago when Margaret Atwood was here. Yeah, uh, right. I actually had bought the books in Paris because I was in Paris just before IAPC. And there is this wonderful English bookstore on the Seine where I got her book and then had it signed here. So that was the, the perfect memory of a, of a great trip. Yeah, I will say it was interesting when I bought a book here. I think it was pre-COVID with an author they had and, you know, stood in line to get it. And then the time was over. They had to go to sessions. They said, don't worry. 
We'll, we'll mail everyone left that didn't get it their copy of the book. It came unsigned. Yeah. I'm like, I stood advising it a signed copy. You can't. Ah. Well, you say in the kids, I get to my session to prepare. Yes. And we'll be back later. There we go. So I'm in the corridors of the conference now with Shan Shan Pa, who I know from my Nimity and Trustark days, currently with State Street Bank out of Boston. Shan Shan, welcome. Like to see you. Definitely for a long time to see you in person, for sure. It's been so many years. So one of the things that we're interested in to hear from our listeners here at IAPP is, what is your favorite abbreviation in the alphabet soup that privacy has become? You know, that's an interesting one, because the other day I was talking to your training class, we were saying a lot of acronyms, CCPA, PDPA, and I was like, you know what? I'm Shenzhen PA. <laughs> that probably be the, uh, the best acronym, but that definitely there's a lot of uh, acronyms. The thing is, you know, with CCPA, we got other like GDPR, just... Just so many. And then with Asia once this morning, the session that I went to, a lot of Asian countries have South Asia there, oh, PDPA. Like, so you just kind of differentiate better countries. So mm-hmm. it's something that, you know, worth pay attention to for privacy professional during the, the privacy work in different regions of the world. Absolutely. So what are what is your, your core focus here at, at IPP? Are you mainly looking at the Asian panels? Are you looking at marketing and transfers what's definitely a variety of a perspective i'm just trying to learn even just for myself to catch up with too much going on i mean everyone said there's so much going on for example the the apac one that we're just cramping in like a five or six country in one session there's a lot of uh, privacy law changes and also i just come from the ftc ones there's different case study about you know what's ftc enforcement down the road so definitely a lot of good session. I'm going to go to the Barbara Lee ones this afternoon about the whole do and don'ts in China. And they're going to do a comparison with CCPA as well with PIPL, so acronyms. So that would be interesting to see. Would you say that the privacy community is still too much focused on Europe and the US? No, I think, I think the, the, it's definitely broader and wider. But U.S. and EU definitely still focus with GDPR being a lot of a benchmark to start with. And then we, yes, we just have so many different state ones popping up here and there. And definitely this is more common. I mean, I think this year we all even have Africa speaker as well, talking about Africa. different regions. So it's really becoming a global privacy summit. It is summit. A global for sure. Yes. Happy to hear that. Thank you so much. Okay, we're recording. So I'm here with Izzy Han, who we heard before in one of our episodes about the papers in academia. You are now with the European Data Protection Supervisor. At the time, you were an intern. Now you're full-time. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Paul. Glad, glad to be back in conversation with you. And good to see you here in Washington as part Likewise, of the EDPS delegation. Absolutely, yeah. So my first question, we're asking everybody this week, what is your favorite abbreviation in privacy? We've got so many acronyms nowadays. Oh, gosh. Favorite abbreviation in privacy. I would say it emerges actually not from the EU, but actually the U.S. And I would have to say it's the PCLOP. The PCLOP. So the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board. And I think PCLOP is just the cutest abbreviation I've heard in a while. So that one's really stuck with me. I can't imagine. It also has a bit of a, a whip behind it, right? PCLOP, like, like you whip everybody into line. I don't know. I would say for me, it makes me think more of like a... 
cute little fluffy thing for some reason. So <laughs> I always a have stuffed a, animal. a very endearing image that comes to mind bye bye. when I when I think of the Pea Club. So we've just had a, a great panel organized by the FPF on the European alphabet soup, the DSA, the DMA, Data Governance Act, AI Act, all of that. What do you make of all these laws? I think the laws are an absolutely great initiative. I think this is very much what we're needing is, is divergence in the way that we approach certain regulatory challenges. And I think despite the challenges that we're seeing from the emerging acts of the European Commission, I'm, I'm very hopeful that there's a way to overcome them in a way that ensures consistency across regulation as opposed to fragmentation. Very nice. Thank you very much and have a great conference. Thank you, Paul. Likewise. So good morning. This is day two at IAPP Central. And we are at breakfast with a whole bunch of privacy people. My name is Paul Breitbart. And I'm Kay Royal. And welcome to Serious Privacy. We'll go around the table. I'm, I'm Stacy Kenley. I am a privacy program manager at Autodesk and have been within privacy since 2016. Oh, my goodness. We're at the table. Hello, everyone. It's Lillian Russell from L.A. County having breakfast with my privacy friends here at Summit. Good morning. It's John Burke from Value Privacy. Enjoy the breakfast. Hi, I'm Elvia Gastello. I'm uh, formerly with Little U.S., and I am working in the convergence of privacy and competition law. Good morning. This is Jamila Palagonia. I'm an executive vice president at Willis Towers Watson. My focus is cyber insurance and bringing privacy into the cyber insurance world. One. So question for all of you. What is your favorite acronym in the alphabet soup that we currently have? Oh, got to go around. Okay. Favorite acronym in, in the privacy world. For me, VCDPA, because that was my life preparing the company for the VCDPA <laughs> compliance last year. What's your favorite? I think now is the CPRA because we've been waiting so long for it and we've been talking about it so long and there were so many changes and now it's just going to come into force July 1st. Hi. Hi, everyone. It's Stacy, and I'm going to give you a few. Being from California, CCPA was one of my favorites. Now CPRA, as well as COPPA. A lot of activity going on around children and uh, privacy, and so COPPA is my new my new favorite. Michael. Okay, go Lily. <laughs> my favorite is COPPA because every time I hear it, I sing COPPA Cabana. <laughs> my favorite is LGPD because I struggle with Portuguese, but I have to speak it. Oh, nice. I don't know that I have one answer, Bob. Well, try a few of them. Okay, I like Pipida because for so long it was Pipida for me. And then I got edumacated and was told it's Pipida, like Pippa Longstockings. And then I would say that for me and Paul, PIPL stands out because he and I are, it's not Pipple, it's PIPL. And then HIPAA. So HIPAA stands out to me because that's where he started in privacy. Yeah, that one, PAA. But for the same thing. And so with when you come with HIPAA and you have that, because if you misspell HIPAA, H-I-P-P-A, as a salesperson, 
I will block you from my email. If you can spell HIPAA right, we're not talking. But P-H-I and P-I-I and P-I always get me. Always. Just all those. They sound so much fun. What about you, Paul? Well, I mean, I have I, I have to include GDPR, obviously, because... You mean good for? Yeah, good for. <laughs> I have to include GDPR, being European, but I also very much like DPIA. Okay. So I'm standing here with Eduardo Ustaran, one of the most visible privacy lawyers in the world, still with Hogan Lovells. Eduardo, good to see you again. What is your favorite abbreviation in privacy at the moment? <laughs> well, it has to be BCR. <laughs> it's linked to my, to my own life. I think I can show you the tattoo I have but with, the, with, the, with the letters BCR, but I think that, that is still a long time to run. And BCRs are still popular with companies? It's still popular. And I think, in a sense, it's the opportunities are still there to make it work even better. So during the conference, we heard a lot about generative AI, some very scary stories, some more optimistic. What's your take on this whole development? Yeah, I think the whole debate about AI and generative AI is a little bit distorted by the hype. And that's understandable because we live in a very hyped up world. But ultimately, it is a technology which is going to transform the way we live. And I think we just need to make sure all of our efforts are made to maximize the opportunities it has to improve our lives. So that's how I would look at it. Well, let's see whether that happens. And for the rest, what is your, your takeaway from this IAPP summit? Oh, well, the best thing is to be able to you know, be together again and see people and work together with, with others face to face. And we, you just mentioned AI is, is centrally been a, has been a, a central topic of the, of the discussion. So one of the things I'm, I'm taking away is that AI and AI regulation and the previous implications of AI are going to be a top issue for our community. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Okay, so... Conference is over. Paul and I are loading up the information, the interviews, the conversations that we've had to produce the podcast, but wanted to give a little bit of our closing thoughts to the IAPP. So, Paul, I give the first honor to you. What did you walk away feeling, thinking? What stood out to you? I walked away overwhelmed, happy, tired, <laughs> excited, curious, with a completely fried brain of all the overload of information that I got. Yeah. I think if there are, well, my takeaways probably is generative AI is going to be a problem for the privacy community much faster Yeah, than I had expected at the start of this year. And not just for the privacy community, but for business everywhere. Just think about reliability of information. Think about reliability of code, copyright protections, misuse of data, misinformation. All of that yeah. is very quickly going to become an issue. Yeah. And the second point is that the whole EU data package, which, which was discussed quite at length, the Digital Services Act, Digital Marketers Act, AI Act, all of those are going to become an absolute mess for companies to comply with, especially because right. of the oversight that is so so dispersed. Could be that the average European company will have to deal with 40 or 50 additional supervisory authorities come next year. 
Help. Yes. I'm throwing my arms in the air going, what the heck? Yes, absolutely agree. And I think it's interesting. Today, I spoke on a panel for BSI, and it was about digital trust and digital chaos and what can boards do and can companies maintain trust. And I just kept thinking back to IAPP. This this is more than digital chaos now. This is digital drowning, digital overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Even if people do care, even if they're not apathetic, who knows everything that happens with your data? My my point then, which I'm sure I have a point as it relates to IAPP, <laughs> my, my point then is you need to take the burden off the consumers. Yes. Right now, the burden is on the consumers to know who to ask something from, to understand what they're consenting to. We need to move away from a consumer-driven privacy mindset to companies need to generate, maintain, and exceed trust factors. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Just like one of my colleagues at Maastricht University always uses the example of, of a car. The safety belt is there. You don't ask a smart car when to interfere and and break before impact that's something the car does to keep you safe and i think that responsibility is is very much also in organizations at the same time also i think it's fair to call on legislators to also give us a bit of a breathing space and first implement one law before you start legislating the next one or at least put them in together. Speaking of laws, we're going to hope to connect with Mike Hensey on the Washington My Health, My Data yeah. law that's passing, which is is not a really good law, it doesn't seem like, but we'll get in that to another. Coming out of IAPP, Paul, I was like you. There was a, a cartoon or a meme posted on LinkedIn with Spider-Man swinging building to building. This is the way I feel at IAPP. I'm seeing people, talking to people, I'm in all the sessions, I'm engaged, and then you come home and you're, you know, 15 bones are broken and you can't move. That was me too. That was me too. Aside from even the personal complication I had while I was there, which meant I missed almost everything on, a, on what was it, Tuesday evening? Mm-hmm. Tuesday evening and night. But even aside from that, it's exhausting. And I hate to say it, but I think a lot of us in this geek field are introverts. And we love our friends and we want to see them and we want to be engaged, but it is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. But not only that, the information that came. So there were some bad sessions I went to. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say one bad session. I'm not going to say what it was. There was a bad session I went to that did not deliver what they promised. And that is my one big bone. I post, I go to a session to learn what it says they're going to teach us. They didn't do that. I let my comments on the assessment speak for themselves. It's not that the people didn't have expertise. They did, but they didn't deliver what they promised to deliver. And I was looking for particular information. You were right next to me. So I know you and I are mind to mind on that one. Well, and there was it was not just that. It was also mansplaining for 35 minutes nonstop. So, right. yeah. But okay. But there was there were some really good ones we went to as well. I really enjoyed your session, one on data transfer. That was really good. You had really good people in your session. We had Alex Joel, who I think was leading or moderating. Yeah, the Alex panel. Joel was the was the chair of the panel. He's 
assistant professor at American University, Caitlin Fennessy from the IAPP, and Sebastiao from the Future of Privacy Forum in his last days at the Future of Privacy Forum. And yeah, it, 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 was, it was really a lot of fun. It was, it was a good panel. It was a good panel, and a lot of people in there really enjoyed it. One of the other really good panels, I think, was the last panel I went to, which was on the CCPA and enforcement, and it had the executive director of the California Privacy Rights Agency. What do they call it? California Privacy Protection Agency, yep. CPPA? CPPA. Him there, and then it also had the lady from the attorney general's office. I can't think of her name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. But she was really good as well. Very, very open, transparent conversation. I enjoyed that. No hesitation in sharing information that they could share with us. So that was a really good panel as well. And it was packed front to back, side to side. It was really good. I think that was the case for a lot of panels that yeah. that I attended. I was very happy that the, the, the conference was fully in the convention center and no mm-hmm. longer in the Marriott meeting room. So it, it we saved weren't all walking of, back and forth. Yeah, except not, for to the, not room. the commute, not the commute to, exactly. to the other rooms. So I thought that was helpful. Also seeing some daylight because some of these sessions were actually above ground. So yes. that you could see that it was actually nice weather outside with blue and skies and sunshine and 30 degrees Celsius. Which, the cherry blossoms were out. It yeah. was fabulous. It was really fat. And by the way, I have to throw out when I'm talking about fabulous, those gluten-free waffle cookies. I don't know what the name is. <laughs> Stroop waffles. Oh my God, those were amazing, Paul. Why didn't you bring me like 10 cases so I could gain, you know, at least another 50 pounds? Something called U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> you can only and, smuggle in so many cookies. And the gourmet mustard and the spread. Thank you. I feel like I should have brought you some American things. But if I wait, if I make my way over to Europe, if there's something here in the U.S. that you particularly love to have, I will bring it to you. <laughs> I don't have anything I think I'd recommend except, you know, the home cooking, the chicken and dumplings and stuff that you yeah, might well, like. But we'll, we'll, we'll have more opportunities. It won't take another 1158 days before we see each other again. <laughs> That is true, and Paul and I recorded another episode this morning with Europol. Fabulous episode. Y'all are going to love it. It will come out the next week. And then after that, we are on our 150th episode. So those of you who are new to us, thank you for joining. Those of you that have been with us since the beginning, and I know there's at least five of you, thank you. We (laughs) appreciate. We appreciate our listeners, our fans. We meet new people all the time. We've been told that the information we give is really good, but in general, we appreciate the fact that y'all love us and that we are lucky enough to continue to do this for y'all. So look forward to those episodes. Paul, anything to close us out? Oh yeah, give the traditional closing because we do need more reviews. Yes. Well, you know, one 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 more thing be, before we wrap up. We've said it before, but I really enjoyed meeting all of the listeners and, yes. and people coming up to us. Also, a lot of my former students in in DC, which was also nice. But I'm yes. gutted that I've only seen half of the people that I wanted to see. And then if you I, see the posts on LinkedIn exactly. of people. You're like, I didn't know you were there. I didn't see you. There were 5,000 people there. So hats off to IAPP for putting on a phenomenal event. But yeah, it's really hard to connect with all the people you want to connect with. So yeah, maybe maybe a slight look ahead at 2024. 
I think we agreed that there will be some sort of serious privacy meetup, live recording, Coffee something. Coffee something. So watch out for that. And if you want to know more, just let us know. If you want to sponsor it, also let us know. <laughs> yes. We, we are looking forward to seeing everybody again soon, somewhere on the road. In the meantime, of course, we'll continue recording. We have a lot of great guests lined up. Also, thanks to the summit. We hope yes. you enjoyed this episode of Serious Privacy. And as always, please do like us in your favorite podcast app or podcast platform. Subscribe to the podcast. Join the conversation on LinkedIn. Find yes. us under Serious Privacy. You'll find Kay on social media as Heart of Privacy and myself as your old Paul B. Until next week or the next conference. Goodbye. Bye, y'all. That was Serious Privacy. Hey listeners, looking to navigate the realm of responsible AI data privacy governance? Well, look no further. Absolutely. TrustArc is paving the way, offering a complete approach to managing privacy risks in the world of AI. TrustArc allows organizations to confidently use AI with personal or sensitive data, moving forward efficiently and cost-effectively. And here's the kicker. Protect your company and data with TrustArc's privacy-driven compliance software. Because their deep automation streamlines data privacy governance cutting your time to compliance with automated data mapping, risk assessments, and regulatory reporting. TrustArc's enhancements go way beyond that, helping organizations understand AI better and align cross-functionally on data governance, privacy, and security. Plus, they provide guidance on privacy governance for AI and how to mitigate risks using frameworks like NIST AI, OECD AI, and the Nemesis Privacy Management Accountability Framework. If you're aiming for compliance excellence, check out Privacy Central, seriously one of my best parts. It uses automation and privacy expertise to understand your requirements, build and manage your privacy program with ease. Oh, I agree. Privacy Central is your go-to to measure your progress toward responsible AI data compliance. Stay ahead with TrustArc's Privacy Central. Visit TrustArc.com now. Ask me a Paul if you have any questions.